today, we're going to talk about one of the primary functions. Matter of fact, what I might call the foundational function of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and in the life of the church. And that function is divine guidance. The Holy Spirit brings divine guidance to the life of every believer. The function of divine guidance. Now, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Today we're going to talk about what it means to be led by the Spirit of God. To be led by the Spirit of God, this is the right of every believer in Jesus Christ. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the right to be led by the Spirit of God. The guidance of the Spirit of God can protect you from falling into pits that you otherwise would have fallen into. The guidance of the Spirit of God can preserve you for rewards that otherwise you would have missed. The guidance of the Spirit of God can protect you from dangers that, you, that otherwise would have befallen you. The guidance of the Spirit of God can open doors that you cannot see and can shut doors that you're not supposed to go through. The guidance of the Spirit of God. But how many know that the guidance of the Spirit of God is not something that happens automatically? Let's pray. Precious Father, open our ears, open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts. And speak to us by your word and spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, all the way from the outset of the book of Acts, we see the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Starts off with Jesus, who's standing on the Mount of Olives with his disciples, and he's given them last instructions. He's walked with them for 40 days. He's spoken to them about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The last thing he says before he ascends into heaven before their eyes is, go to Jerusalem and wait. Mm -hmm. They say, what are we waiting for? He says, you're waiting for the Holy Spirit. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. Go to Jerusalem and wait. What is he saying? He says, don't immediately go. He had already told them, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. He had already told them there's a worldwide call. He had already told them in Matthew chapter 28, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to command, to obey all things that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even at the end of the age. He had already given them this command and this promise, but he says, now, before you go. Wait. Translation, you've got a great mission in the world, but don't you dare try to do it without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. There's great anointing on your life, but don't you dare try to manifest it without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You've got powerful gifts that can have an impact on the world, but don't you dare try to operate in those gifts without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, everything you do is going to come to nothing. So go to Jerusalem and wait. But Lord, how will we know when we've received him? Oh, you'll know. <laughs> That's like saying, how do I know when I've been run over by a car? <laughs> you'll know. <laughs> just, just, just wait. You'll see. Just go. The last word of command Jesus gives them is don't do one more thing until the Holy Spirit comes and begins to guide you. Now, we tend to think that they were waiting for an experience. As if Jesus was saying, go and wait for tongues. Go and wait for fire. Go and wait for wind. And that tends to be what we seek. 
Holy Spirit, we need your fire. We need your wind. We need your tongues. We need your healing. We need your miracles. We need your deliverance. We need this and we need that. But underneath all of those things, what you're actually needing is guidance. We need your guidance. Because without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, there is no tongues. Without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, there is no miracles. Without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, there is no deliverance. In actuality, when you follow out the book of Acts and you read it from the beginning to end, everything that the Holy Spirit does in the church happens through divine guidance. That is, if there's a miracle, he guides somebody into that miracle. If there's deliverance, he guides somebody into that deliverance. Is there a breakthrough? He guides. Without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you miss miracles every day. While you're praying for miracles, you need to be praying for divine guidance. Holy Spirit, lead. Holy Spirit, guide. So they go to Jerusalem. They wait in the upper room. They spend 10 days in there praying. It's really hard to pray for 10 days without the Holy Spirit. It's really hard to pray for 10 minutes without the Holy Spirit. It's hard to pray for 10 seconds without the Holy Spirit. When you're praying by your own power, out of your own mind, out of your own understanding, you're trying to make stuff up. Oh, Lord. Trying to sound prayerful. Mm, yes, Lord. Oh, Lord. Because that's how somebody else sounded when they prayed. And that's the essence of empty religion. Wow. It's trying to sound prayerful. As if that's how I fool God into thinking that I'm really prayerful and I'm really spiritual as if I put on a sound in my voice to try to sound as though I, I am so. No, they're, they're in there. They're praying, but they're waiting. It's called active waiting. Mm. Waiting on the Lord is not a passive waiting. It's an active waiting. It's while you wait, pray. Mm-hmm. And they're seeking the Lord yeah. and they're waiting on God. And then the day of Pentecost comes and they're all gathered in one place and in one accord. There comes a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it fills the house where they're assembled and cloven tongues as a fire separates and rests above each head. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. They speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. In other words, the Holy Spirit comes and this secret meeting in the upstairs of this building with all the doors and windows shut that they're trying to keep private because they're scared to death that they're going to be next to be killed like their Lord Jesus was. The last place they'd want to be is Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit comes and makes a ruckus. Everybody now is screaming in different languages at the top of their lungs simultaneously. Can you imagine the Holy Spirit falls and everybody in here, and there's about the same number of people in this room right now that were in that room, about 120 people in that room. Can you imagine everybody starts screaming, only there were no double-pane, dual-pane glass windows. It's just like maybe a curtain. And everybody in here starts screaming in different languages at the same time. And a crowd of people gathers outside the windows like, what in the world is going on in here? Now what happens? Who's the pastor? Who's the leader? Who's in charge of the early church? That 120 that gathered, who was in charge? Nobody knew who was in charge. Notice that Jesus never said, okay, here's the order. Peter, you're in charge. John, you're second in command. James, you're the associate pastor. And Bartholomew, you're going to be over the ushers. (laughs) Notice there was no, Jesus gave them no division of labor. Jesus did not appoint a successor. All he said was wait for the Holy Spirit. But what is our church structure? Wait for the Holy Spirit. But who's going to be in charge of what? Wait for the Holy Spirit. You know, by and large in the body of Christ, I find people are waiting for somebody in charge to say something or do something. The Holy Spirit is waiting for somebody to look up. God is not looking for the person in charge. He's looking for the person whose heart is open. 
He's looking for the person looking up saying, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, use me. You know, there's a gift that's almost never used in the body of Christ called the interpretation of tongues. I was at a church one time where in the middle of worship, this woman starts screaming in tongues. And she's screaming in tongues and everything got dead silent. And I got excited because I never see the gift of interpretation of tongues. But the fact that everybody got silent when this woman was crying out in tongues, it meant that an interpretation was about to come. So I got excited. I got to see this because that's such a rare gift in the body of Christ. Even in Pentecostal charismatic churches, we don't operate in that gift. And so she gets done with her tongue. By the way, that's a prophetic tongue. That's a tongue that actually is a word of prophecy that God is speaking to the whole church. But it requires an interpretation or else the person looks like a fool. So she gets done and I'm waiting. Oh, shoot. Here it comes. Oh, it's about to come right now. There's probably about 20 prayer warriors in this room that are praying for the interpretation right now. It is about to come. I'm like, oh, shoot, it ain't coming. And I looked around, and everybody else was looking around. (laughs) Everyone was looking around going, oh, shoot, here it comes. (laughs) But nobody was looking up. And when I realized that nobody was going to interpret the tongue, I closed my eyes. I went, oh, God, give the interpretation. Oh, God. I turned my face toward heaven, and within five seconds, the interpretation came. And then I just, I prospered. I'm in the middle of the house. I'm a guest there. It's not even my church. (laughs) And I just released the prophetic word over the house, and they went back into worship, and the Holy Spirit fell in that house. It was powerful. But the woman came to me afterwards. She said, thank you so much. She said, that's happened multiple times over the last several years, and nobody has ever interpreted one of those, ever. And I went to the pastor. I said, you got to start interpreting those, dude. You can't, you can't leave her hanging like that. <laughs> you know, she, that's the, God is speaking to your people, dude. you got to interpret those. Somebody's got to look up. The problem in the body of Christ is nobody's looking up. Everybody's looking around. Everybody's looking around what she's doing, what he's doing, and nobody's looking for divine guidance. And when we tend to look around, that's when we tend to judge. That's out of order. That ain't God. That ain't the Holy Spirit. He's in the flesh. <laughs> oh, she thinks she's something, don't she? Mm-hmm. See them shoes she's wearing? <laughs> when we're looking around, all we, have to, all we know how to do is judge one another. Yeah. But when we're looking up, we're waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Holy Spirit, looking for divine guidance. There's a crowd of onlookers. What do we do now? The Lord never told us what to do here. There's no playbook for this situation. But what happens? The scripture says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, stood up among the 11. And the rest are like, what's he about to do? Peter's like, I don't know. Just the Holy Spirit told me to stand up. And he stood up. (laughs) And so what do you do? Uh, Men and brethren. (laughs) You know, I mean, Peter's like, he's, he, he, I mean, imagine when you and I preach. So if I were to ask you to preach on a Sunday morning, you would spend the whole week pouring through scripture and, you know, getting your outline together and trying to get some PowerPoint. Peter had like five seconds to prepare that sermon. And he didn't even have a New Testament. Yeah. Dang. All he had was this experience with Jesus for three and a half years and then this experience of the Holy Spirit. And now there's a crowd of 3,000 people going, what in the world is going on in here? And all of a sudden, Peter feels this rush of the Holy Spirit from within that says, stand up and start talking, and I will tell you what to say. And Peter stands up. How did Peter know what to say? It's called divine guidance. That is, the Holy Spirit instructed his tongue as he spoke. The Holy Spirit instructed his tongue and instructed his heart. It's called the gift of supernatural divine guidance, and it is one of the first fruits of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The very first function of divine guidance 
is the supernatural ability to know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. And actually, the book of Acts has a word for that form of divine guidance that comes from the Holy Spirit, and it's called boldness. Mm. Parecia, boldness. It is the ability to know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it, and then to sit and the courage to say it, and then the peace to sit down and say in your heart, I said it. That's boldness. It's the ability to know what to say, when to say it, how to say it, the courage to say it, and then the peace to sit down and say, I said it. You ever think about you've got family members and friends who don't know Jesus, and you always feel this guilt in your heart. I think I should say something. Ooh, should I have said something right there? Mm-hmm. You talk to a friend or a family member, like, ooh, maybe I should have said something. Should I say something right there? I think I'm supposed to say something because I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to be a witness. And, and you know, because I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to be a witness. I should, probably should have said something right there. And then you walk away going, but maybe it wasn't time to say something. But maybe it was time to say something. You ever feel that? You know what I'm talking about? That, that how about you just throw all of that nonsense out <laughs> and just start fresh from today? With the confidence to believe, I'm a son and daughter, or a daughter of God. I'm a child of God. I have the right to be led by the Spirit of God. When it's time to speak, the Holy Spirit is going to give me the unction to speak. He's going to say, it's time to speak right now. And I'm going to speak right then. And he's going to give me the unction to know what to say. And the boldness to say it. And then I'm going to sit down and say, I said it. Yeah. How about that? Can you believe that? Can you believe that? That you don't have to walk around all the time out of this sense of obligation. I'm supposed to say something because I'm a believer. I think I'm supposed to say No, 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 no. There were 120 people in the upper room, and 119 of them had no unction of the Spirit to speak, and so they stayed silent. One of them had the anointing of the Holy Spirit to speak. He stood up and spoke boldly and then sat down and said, I said it. That's called boldness. Parecia. So that's the first function of divine guidance. The divine guidance of the Holy Spirit empowers you so you know what to say and when to say it. But simultaneously, it empowers you to know when to shut up. Because I think by and large, the the problem with believers is not that we don't speak. But that when we do speak, we say some nonsense and some foolishness that drives people further away from Christ. We think that to confront things, that's the Holy Spirit. To call things out, to protest things, that's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it is, but probably a lot of the times it's not. Mm -hmm. Divine guidance is the ability to know what to say. Second fruit of divine guidance, we see this a couple or one chapter later in Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are walking to the temple at the time of prayer. They're coming to the gate beautiful, and as they're entering into the gate beautiful, they see a man that's lame from his mother's womb, and the man is looking for them. He has never walked in his life, and he's asking them for money. And Peter stops and looks at him. Interesting thing is there's a lot of lame people and there's a lot of poor people by the gate of the temple. There's a lot of people asking for money. Why does Peter stop and look at this one? It's called divine guidance. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is leading him. He stops and he looks. And then Peter says, look look at us for a second. And the man looks looks intently upon them. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none. Now, side point, I, I said this before. He had plenty of silver and gold. While the, while the apostles preached, people came and threw money down at their feet. So there's plenty of silver and gold. Translation, silver and gold have I none for you. Yeah. Which tells us right there, you don't have to give money to every person who asks you for money on the street. Yeah. Peter was being led by the Spirit. 
that in this situation, I'm not giving no money. Why? Because that's not what the Spirit is leading me to do. See, that's a very, very important thing. That's something that I'm, I'm trying to teach my daughter is my daughter's with me and sometimes we'll see a homeless person and sometimes we'll give something to them and then the next day we'll see a homeless person and my, my daughter say, Daddy, give her something. Daddy, let's give them something. And I say, baby girl, I don't feel led of the Spirit to do that. Do you realize sometimes you can put yourself in danger by stepping outside of the guidance of the Holy Spirit and approaching someone uh, when the Holy Spirit is not actually leading you to do so? I've been in those types of situations. And so now... Peter is looking at this man and he says to him, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give to you. Now, the traditional interpretation of that word when he says what I have, I give to you, is that what he had was the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's wrong. That flows out of a form of Christian witchcraft that sees the name of Jesus as the Christian spell that we can cast on anything we want to make anything happen. This idea that as long as you speak the name of Jesus over something, you can make it happen. And so we find believers going, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, thinking that maybe I didn't put the accent in the right place, and that's why the miracle's not happening. What he has is not the ability to speak the name of Jesus. What he has is divine guidance, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's why he stops and looks upon the man. He wouldn't have had to stop and look upon the man if all he had to do was speak the name of Jesus. He was sensing the divine guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now, you see, he says to him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And the man is completely healed, and he jumps up, and he walks, and he runs, and he leaps, and he runs into the temple. So this great miracle transpires. But what is underneath the miracle? divine guidance. The miracle is the result of the guidance of the Holy Spirit. See, so often we pray for miracles. Lord God, heal the sick, raise the dead. I think oftentimes God is trying to heal the sick and raise the dead, but nobody will follow his guidance. <laughs> I told you about that time when I, I was crying out to the Lord for miracles, and then I was driving home, and I saw a woman laying in the street, and the Lord told me, pull over and go pray for that woman. You remember that story? Mm -hmm. And I was like, nah, Lord, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. And the Lord said, you just spent four hours crying out to me for miracles. And now I tell you, go pray for that woman. And you're like, I'm too scared. I'm too scared. There was a crowd gathered around her. The car that hit her was parked in front of her. It was obvious what happened. Bam, the woman gets hit by a car. Probably both her legs were broken. She's laid out in the, in, the, in the street. She's screaming and crying. She was holding a baby, and the baby had flown out of her arms and hit the ground, and the baby's screaming like 20 feet away from her, and, and the Lord says, go pray for that woman. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And I argued with the Lord for three blocks, and I said, oh, well, Lord, I'm past him now. And the Lord said, turn your car around and go back and pray for that woman. So I turned the car around. I went back to pray for that woman. I got out of the car, and I walked through the crowd. And I would love to say that I walked like this. <laughs> but I didn't. I walked like this. <laughs> I would love to say that I stood over her and said, Stand up and walk in the name of the Lord. But I didn't. I crouched down next to her. I said, excuse me. 
Uh, can I pray for you? And she didn't pay me any attention. She was screaming bloody murder. So I just closed my eyes and I put my hand on her shoulder. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, please. And I wasn't even praying loud. I wasn't praying loud enough for anybody but her to hear me. Father, in the name of Jesus, please touch this woman and heal her. And while I'm praying, she stopped screaming. I'm praying the most faithless prayer. <laughs> but she stopped screaming, and I opened one eye. Like, Father, in the name of Jesus, please heal this woman in Jesus' name. And she's looking up at me, and I'm looking down at her. I said, how do you feel? She said, I feel fine. The pain's gone. Wow. I said, well, what do you want to do? She said, help me up. And I helped her up. Simultaneously, her baby stopped crying. Wow. And she went up and picked her ba- up her baby. I said, is the baby okay? Yeah, the baby's fine. And then everybody left. And I was standing there like, wait, was I supposed to say, Je- oh, excuse me, wait, wait, hold on, God. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Obedience is far more powerful yes. than anointing. Yes. Like we're asking God for anointing when God wants us to ask for obedience. Oh, wow. I, I didn't have any power to heal the sick in that moment. What I had was obedience. I had divine guidance. All you need is divine guidance. Can you follow the direction of the Holy Spirit? If you can follow the direction of the Holy Spirit, you can see God do tremendous things. Amen. Divine guidance gives you the ability to know what to say and when to say it. Divine guidance is also the door to miracles, to see the miraculous power of God break through. Divine guidance is also the key to divine deliverance. Remember when Peter was in prison and he was going to be executed the next morning and in the middle of the night, this is in Acts chapter 12, in the middle of the night an angel of the Lord comes. How many know that the angelic realm is is facilitated by the Holy Spirit? That is, everything of heaven that comes to earth comes to earth through the power and agency of the Holy Spirit so that angelic guidance is the same as Holy Spirit guidance. And an angel visits Peter in the middle of the night and strikes him on the side, says, wake up, Peter. He wakes up, stand up quickly. He stands up and the chains fall off of his wrists and then the the chains fall off of him and the angel says, put on your shoes and put on your cloak and let's go. And he he puts on his clothes and then the angel says, follow me. And he follows and as they walk, the doors open of their own accord. It was like automatic doors, like Walmart, you know, (laughs) like, like, oh, snap, look at this. It's opening up. That's where they got the idea from. They were reading the Bible. (laughs) And it wasn't until he, and he's thinking, this is a great dream. It's going to suck to wake up. (laughs) And then I still got to die in the morning. But it wasn't until he got a block and a half away from the prison that the angel disappears and he realizes it was real. What did Peter do to get free? A lot of folks in the body of Christ talking about getting free. I got to get free. Oh, I got to get free. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fast 27 days and I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. every morning and I'm going to memorize 27 scriptures. And then I'm I'm talking about your plan for getting you free. Yeah, right. I'm going to go to 16 different prayer meetings. I'm going to go on a prayer retreat. Your plan for getting you free, everything that you can do by your power. How did Peter get free? Did he fast? No, he was sleeping when the church was up praying for him all night. He's in jail sleeping. He's like, I'm going to die in the morning anyway. I might as well get a good night of sleep. (laughs) And he falls asleep, right? What did he do? All he did was follow. You need deliverance? All you need is to learn how to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. So much that we war for, so much that we cry out for, so much that we strive for comes simply through following the lead of the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and following. That's all you need. Divine guidance. 
Now we come to Acts chapter 16, and in Acts chapter 16, something's interesting is happening. Paul and his companions are going on another missionary journey, and Paul intends to go to the northern region of Galatia, and every time he tries to go in that direction, the Holy Spirit starts leading him in a different direction. It's funny that he thinks he's going in one direction by following the Lord, but on the way, the Lord reveals to him, nope, that's not the right direction. And so he goes up to this city called Bithynia, and when he gets there, the Holy Spirit says, don't speak. So then he bounces over to this city called Mysia, and the Holy Spirit says, don't preach here. This ain't the city yet. And then he bounces over to this city called Troas, and the Holy Spirit says, you're still not supposed to speak here. Now, by this time, it's been weeks on the road, and all of the money that the churches have raised for them back in Antioch, they've spent a lot of it on hotels and on food, but so far they haven't done anything but vacationed. No ministry has gone on whatsoever. And Paul is losing his mind trying to figure out what are we supposed to do, but he's seeking divine guidance each and every day. And and so far, the divine guidance is be quiet. Mm. You see, a lot of times we think we're not receiving divine guidance, but you actually are receiving divine guidance. The divine guidance is be still. Mm. And that's the kind of guidance we don't want. Because if God guides me, I want him to tell me to do something. And sometimes all God says is nothing. You realize that when God says nothing, he's actually saying something. He's saying, don't move. Stay where you are. Stop trying to change situations and circumstances. Paul, just be quiet. And then in Troas, he's at the end of his rope. He's way far away from Antioch. He's on the other side of the world, and he can't get into the northern Galatian region. He keeps getting pushed to the left, and now he's on the far end of the Galatian region in a city called Troas, and he goes to sleep, and in the middle of the night, he has a dream. A man of Macedonia says, come over here and help us in Macedonia. And he wakes up, and he says, this is divine guidance. We've got to leave for Macedonia right now. Listen to this. He wakes up his team in the middle of the night. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Like, what's going on? It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I just had a dream. I have been waiting for divine guidance, and I just got it. You ever been in a season when you've been waiting for God to speak, and suddenly he speaks? You've been waiting for him to guide you, and suddenly he guides you? You've been waiting for him to show you the way, and suddenly he shows you the way? All of a sudden, that guidance from the Lord becomes the most important thing in your life. Sometimes the delay in divine guidance is simply designed to cause us to hunger for it to the extent that it becomes more valuable. Because oftentimes we don't understand how valuable the guidance of the Lord is. Do you realize how valuable it is when God, if God gives you a simple direction, move to the left. How valuable that is. That God instructed me. That God told me what to do. That God would say, hold your peace. Dang, that was awesome. That's the most powerful thing. That, see, we're waiting for words from the Lord. I am with thee, saith the Lord. You know what I mean? Like, you're, we're waiting for words that kind of describe our situation from a divine perspective. I'm looking for God to direct me and say, go to the left. Paul receives this word of divine guidance. He wakes up his companions in the middle of the night. They get on a boat in the middle of the night. And they head right into Macedonia, which is interesting because Troas is right next to this little inlet of water. As soon as you cross that, you're in Macedonia. Isn't it interesting that God was leading them to Macedonia the whole time, but he didn't tell them in Antioch? You know why? Macedonia was too far away. And had God said, you're going to Macedonia, they would have wasted more time trying to prepare themselves because they would have thought, we're not ready to go to Macedonia yet, so we need to spend another year preparing and raising money. See, this is what we tend to do. God does not tell you the destination. 
Because he knows you don't think you're qualified. He knows you don't think you're ready. He knows you don't think you have the resources. And so what he does is he just says, you're just going up there. <laughs> yeah, you're just, that's all you're doing is you're going up there. And then you get there. He goes, no, no, now you're going to go to the left a little bit. <laughs> you know, and you go to the left. No, now you're going to go to the left a little bit more. Information from God is on a need to know basis. Wow. And now all of a sudden, do you know what was in the region of Macedonia? A city called Philippi. You ever read the book of Philippians? That's what God had in store for Paul. Wow. A city called Corinth. You ever read the book of Corinthians? That's what God had in store for all, all of those letters. Galatia, uh, well, Galatians was up above, but you had Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Corinthians. All of those letters flowed out of this time in which it seemed that Paul had failed again and again and again to hear from God. I thought I was going here, but the Lord led me there. Are you able to shift with God when you thought he was leading you in this direction and suddenly he starts leading you in that direction? When I thought it was his will for us to be non-denominational and then 15 years later he says, now join the Free Methodist Church. That don't make no sense. <laughs> he was leading you in this direction for this long. But now he's leading you in a different direction. When God shifts, are you able to shift with God? Think about it. Here's the way we tend to think about God. If, if you imagine that you're driving from here to someplace else, and you draw a straight line, and you just try to take a straight line to that place. Like imagine if I say to you, you're going to go down San Pablo Avenue, right? So you start going down San Pablo Avenue, and then six miles later, I say, okay, now you need to turn left. You say, no, 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 no. You told me to go down San Pablo Avenue. Have you changed your mind? No, I'm just going to follow your first. You said go down. I'm going to go down to San Pablo Avenue for the rest of my life because I'm obedient. You say, you have lost your mind because any set of directions entails turning left once in a while and turning right once in a while. Just because I told you to go down San Pablo doesn't mean that there's never going to be any turns. Divine guidance. Can you shift with God? And so divine guidance is the key to fruitfulness. And it's the key to kingdom fruitfulness. All of Paul's fruitfulness in ministry came out of following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Not just because he was a great apostle and had apostolic gifts. Not just because he was a prophet. Not just because he was a teacher. Not just because he could heal the sick. But because he knew how to follow the guidance of of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit is the key to every form of fruitfulness wow. and success. However, as I said at the beginning of this message, the guidance of the Holy Spirit is not automatic. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of believers that are waiting on divine guidance, but are not pursuing divine guidance. Wow. Waiting on God to speak, but not even speaking to God. Just when, when God leads me, I'm just ready to follow. But you don't spend no time seeking his guidance. You ever read the book of Proverbs? You see, the book of Proverbs is actually all about divine guidance. You see, the ancient Hebrews had a word for divine guidance, and that word was wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to know what to do in every situation. When God gives you wisdom, he gives you divine guidance. He gives you the ability to know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it, and to know what not to do. However, 
The book of Proverbs begins with this principle. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Which means if you ain't got no fear of the Lord, you will not get any wisdom from God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord at face value, fundamentally, is the desire to do God's will above everything. And the fear of getting out of his will. The fear of the Lord fundamentally is the desire to honor God above all, to do his will above all. And the fear of getting out of his will. It is the presupposition that his way is better than mine. And that one day I'm going to have to stand before him and give an account for my every word and my every action. When I stand before him, I want to have the confidence before him to say, I did your will. Mm. No, I want him to look at me and say, you did my will. Because I'll never have the confidence to say to him, I did your will. Well, no, you tell me if I did your will or not. I hope I I tried to do your will. (laughs) The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But then the scripture says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you get wisdom? And how is that fear of the Lord manifested? Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you would receive my words and hide my commands within you. You want the fear of the Lord and you want divine guidance and wisdom? First of all, you've got to receive his words and hide his commands within you. You say you want divine guidance, but you don't spend five minutes in scripture. The time that you spend in the Word of God is not just about this, you know, I'm going to have a QT, QT, you know. <laughs> Christians do QT, QT. It's just the Christian thing to do, you know, QT, quiet time. <laughs> just going to have a quiet time with Scripture. No, that's not what it's about. It's not about just having a quiet time. It's about receiving His words and hiding His yeah. commands within me. Why? This is the path to wisdom, folks. If I want divine guidance, I've got to spend time every day receiving his words. I'm just reading it. I read a chapter a day. Yes, but do you receive what you're reading? And do you hide? When you see one of his commands in scripture, do you hide it within you? As the psalmist said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. My son, if you would receive my words and hide my commands within you, inclining your ear unto wisdom, which means to incline your ear means to listen at a higher level. When you are in the word of God, are you listening at a higher level or at the same level that you got the TV going at the same time? You're reading scripture and listening to TV at the same time. (laughs) You know what I mean? Inclining your ear to, to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And then here's the path. And if you cry out after knowledge, cry out after knowledge. That's not QT, that's LT. That's not quiet time, that's loud time. (laughs) You might have had QT, but have you ever cried out after knowledge and lifted up your voice for understanding? If you seek them as silver and search for them as for hidden treasures, Mm. then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You want divine guidance? You've got to learn to seek it as silver and search for it as for hid treasure. See, the reason most of us miss out on divine guidance is because it's not valuable enough to us. We don't understand the value of it. You know, I was doing crypto trading for a while and and I was trying to uh, day trade for a while, uh, you know, stocks. And and you know what I found is that people who do day trading and crypto trading, they'll spend $5,000 on a class for someone to teach them how to do it badly. (laughs) 
You'll, people will spend $5,000 on a course. Well, I'll teach you how to day trade. And then you still lose another $100,000 that year. And, and people around you will tell you, don't pay for that class. And you'll still pay for it. <laughs> people will pay for all kinds of guidance. You realize the scripture says, buy the truth and sell it not. Yeah. Our great problem would be, listen, the key to divine guidance is divine pursuit. The key to divine guidance is divine pursuit. You've got to ask God for wisdom. Didn't James say that? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Yes. I love it when people come to me all the time. Pastor, can I talk to you about my problem? I would love to talk to you about your problem. But I like to ask this question. But when you pray about your problem, what, what are you hearing from God? Yeah. And by the way you respond, I can tell you haven't spent five minutes praying about your problem. Well, you know, I just, I'm just waiting for you. Know, I'm just hoping the Lord, you know, one of these days the Lord's going to talk to me about it. I just know that you haven't spent five minutes. Listen, I mean, it's, it's great to talk to your pastor, but don't talk to your pastor without talking to the Lord. Yeah. A lot of believers think, if I just had somebody to lead me, you got God, but you don't spend any time with him. <laughs> just ask him. If anyone asks for wisdom, the Bible says, let him ask of God who gives to all men freely without finding fault. Meaning when you ask God for wisdom, he's not going to look at your life and say, well, you don't deserve wisdom because this is all your fault and you made this mistake and it's your problem and you just, you made your bed, you just need to lie in it. He, it says he gives to all men freely without finding fault and it will be given to him. But then it says, but let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, tossed to and fro by every wind. Let not that man think that he'll receive anything from God. One of the greatest keys to walking in the Spirit is learning how to ask God for wisdom without doubting. Believing that if you ask God for supernatural wisdom, He will give you supernatural wisdom. If you ask God to lead you, He will lead you. If you ask him to direct you, he will direct you. Prayer is the school of supernatural wisdom. And it is the school of divine guidance. Meditating on scripture is the school of supernatural wisdom. And it is the school of divine guidance. Do you realize that you are his workmanship? That you have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God himself ordained for you to walk in since before the world began? Do you realize that before you ever were, God opened up a book and wrote your name on it and then began to write in its pages, and what he wrote were the works that he ordained for you to walk in? Since before the world began. Miracles that he would work through you. Deliverance that he would bring through you. There's a book with your name on it that God, and then you are his workmanship. When he forms you in your mother's womb. The psalmist talks about it in Psalm 139. He says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unborn. And in your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. He says, you formed my inward parts. That's the part I was looking for. 
You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, O Lord, and that my soul knows very well. The psalmist says, I am his workmanship. And then Paul says, yes, you are his workmanship, and you have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're asking God for good works. You need to ask him for divine guidance. If you ask for divine guidance, he will lead you to the good works. You can't miss the good works, but without divine guidance, the book remains shut, and you walk right past the works that he has ordained for you to walk in. Had Peter and John approached the gate beautiful without asking God for divine guidance, they would have walked right past that man who was lame from his mother's womb. Had Peter not followed divine guidance, he would have stayed in the cell, even though the chains fell off. Had Paul not been asking for divine guidance, he would have tried to run that revival in northern Galatia instead of following the Spirit all the way over to Troas. We would have never had the book of Philippians and Colossians and Ephesians and both of the Corinthians. We wouldn't have had it. Why? It was divine guidance. It was all the fruit of divine guidance. You know what divine guidance is like? You've seen the movie Ratatouille? You got this little white boy who can't cook. (laughs) Oh, but he's got a rat. (laughs) He's got a rat in the hat that knows what to do. And when he's reaching for the wrong thing, the rat pulls his hair, lifts his hands, and turns him to the right thing. He doesn't know. The rat knows. Now, there's a limit to this metaphor. I don't want nobody talking about the Holy Spirit as the rat in the hat. That is not biblical. The point is, not knowing what to do is no problem for the Holy Spirit. Come on. I hear a lot of believers, I don't know what to do. Mm. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. You don't have to. Yeah. I just don't feel comfortable. <laughs> I don't know where to go. I don't know what to say. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. You know what you need to do? You need to learn how to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. And if there's one skill you must ask the Lord for, it's give me the skill of being led by the Spirit of God. Teach me how to be led by the Spirit of God. Don't let a day go by when you don't ask the Lord. Teach me how to be led by the Spirit of God. Teach me how to follow the lead of the Spirit of God. Teach me how to discern when you're going to the left or to the right. Teach me how to, to, how to stand still when you want me to stand still. Teach me how to sense when you want me to be quiet even though I want to speak. Teach me how to sense when you're telling me to speak even though I want to be quiet. Teach me how to sense your goings and your comings. Teach me how to move with you. Teach me how to be like Jesus who said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Divine fruitfulness is the fruit of divine guidance. And divine guidance is the fruit of divine pursuit. If you ask him to, he'll lead you. You simply got to ask. Somebody can come to the keyboard. Proverbs chapter 3. This is what I've been meditating on the last couple of weeks. He says, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. And then he says, let love, let mercy and truth not forsake you. 
bind them upon your heart. Or bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. And then he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. You just keep acknowledging him. He'll say, son, daughter, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. You just keep acknowledging him. He'll tweak you. He'll say, slow down a little bit. Slow down, slow down, slow down. You just just keep acknowledging him in all your ways. Acknowledge. Say, I don't know the way to go. You never have to know the way to go. You just have to know how to acknowledge him. I don't know if I'm going the right way. You never have to know if you're going the right way. You just have to know that you're acknowledging him. He'll say, son, daughter, slow down. Okay, stop right here. Stop right here. Okay, you're going to turn to the right here. You're going to turn to the right. We want him to give us the map so that we can chart our own course. We want him to tell us what the destination is so that we can figure out our own way. We want him to be a GPS. We want to look ahead of the journey and know where we're going. And we want him to tell us how many miles to our destination and how long will it take. And he does not give that kind of information because if he did, you'd stop trusting him right there. You'd start trusting the map and stop trusting the Lord. Instead, he says, you just walk with me. In all your ways, just a little bit softer. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path. You are here today and you're in need of divine guidance. Let me tell you something. You think you're in need of an answer. You're not in need of an answer. You're in need of divine guidance. Divine guidance is not the ability to know where you're going. It's the ability to know who you're following. Divine guidance is not knowing the destination. It's knowing the one who leads you to the destination. Divine guidance is the ability to hear the Lord tell you you're in the right place right now. To hear the Lord tell you you're going to take a step right now. You don't need to know how far you're going or or the way to get there. You just need to know I'm standing in the will of God right now. I'm going the direction he's leading me in right now. It doesn't have to look the way I thought it was going to have going to look. It doesn't have to I don't have to get the fruit that I thought I was going to get. The fruit of it is not success. The fruit is obedience. Knowing that I'm obedient, you have confidence when you know you're obedient. I'm in the will of God. I know I'm going the direction he told me to go. Regardless of what the cost I've decided that I'm going to follow Jesus. Divine guidance. That is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's the fruit. But that fruit requires pursuit. That fruit requires pursuit. That fruit requires that you wake up in the morning and begin to ask the Lord, lead me, guide me, lead me, guide me, lead me, guide me. This can be the beginning of a new life. From this very day, this can begin to be the beginning of a new life of being led by the Spirit of God. If it's the beginning of a new level of pursuit, bow your heads with me. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come right now and settle in on each and every heart and each and every soul. And I pray that you would release within us a new level of divine pursuit. That you would inspire us to ask you for wisdom. 
I pray, Father, that you would give us a revelation today of the value of wisdom. You said that her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than pure gold. But Lord, most of us would rather have gold and silver than wisdom. That's because our values are just so wildly off. But Holy Spirit, today, we submit our values today, and I ask you, come and change me. Change my heart so that I value your wisdom above everything else. That I value your guidance above everything else. And that the fruit of that increase of value would be pursuit. Because whatever we value, that we pursue. I cannot say that I value something when I don't pursue it. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you would release a new level of divine pursuit. In Jesus' name. I want you just to spend a couple minutes right where you are just talking to the Lord right now. I want you just to begin to pursue. Pursue a new level. I want you to talk to God. I want you to deal with God right now. This is a new season for some of you. New confidence to know that you're being led by the Spirit of God. A new divine wisdom is coming. Holy Spirit, open our ears. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Some of you need to repent. I've gone my own way. I haven't listened to divine guidance. I haven't valued your wisdom, but today I value your wisdom.